Great. Well, I'm so excited to welcome Nikhil Bell from FICO to CMO Pulse. Nikhil, welcome to the show. I can't wait to learn more about what's been going on. And and before, before I finish my greeting, tell us, you're reporting live from FICO offices for the first time in... Two years. Oh, my goodness. That's exciting. Yes, it is exciting. This is absolutely fantastic. It's nice to be back in familiar surroundings. Uh, I realize I have artwork here from my kids from two years ago, which needs an update. Uh, it needs an update. They have uh, progressed from, from this. Uh, and uh, it's nice to see all the, the photos and the pictures and be in familiar surroundings. Terrific. Well, welcome to the show. It's terrific to have you. Thank um, you so much, uh, Tanya. Really, um, thank you for having me. Uh, really impressed with what you've built here with the CMO Pulse. Uh, you know, I've had a, the pleasure of, of following it and, and uh, following you for a bit. And it's just been absolutely fantastic to see. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Well, we, you know, we figured if we couldn't be together for a little while longer, we may as well facilitate um, more of these conversations. That's right. Um, I want to start with something that we were chatting about um, a little earlier. You know, I think so much of what we've talked about on the show and probably what we talk about as an industry is about what's changed and how we're adapting to change and all of this sort of stuff. Um, But I want to start with something a little different today, which is can you tell me a little about your foundational principles Mm -hmm. and which of these have actually set you up well during the pandemic? Which of these do you think are universal and persistent? That's a fantastic question, Tanya. It's a great way to actually kick this uh, session off and and this discussion off. Um, You know, I was really fortunate. Uh, My career started at Hewlett Packard Company. Uh, And and I was incredibly fortunate to know, uh, or to get to know rather, Bill Hewlett, who was one of the founders or co-founders of Hewlett Packard. And... um, in those early days, I had an opportunity to spend time with him, really drilling into and trying to understand the genesis for the HP way um, and trying to understand the core tenants and the components of the HP way. Uh, you know, simple things like management by walking around, the open door policy, the uh, ability to actually empower people, but hold them accountable as well. You know, the, the balance that exists over there. Um, and, and they were just wonderful conversations and discussions. And I learned so much in those early days about, you know, what does it mean to be a phenomenal leader? What does it mean to be a great manager? What does it mean to, uh, you know, be able to run an organization and scale an organization with some core tenants and principles? You know, how do you build culture and how is culture built on a foundation of values and how do you determine what those values are that then drives that culture, motivates a a team to come together and to function at at a high level. Um, And uh, and I picked up a lot of uh, uh, wonderful uh, practices and and core tenants uh, that I practice to this day and and embody uh, how uh, I function uh, myself uh, and how I like my teams to function and the organization to function. Um, And at the root of that, right, at the heart of that is really people. Um, uh, Companies are made up of people. Customers are made up of people. uh, And and people are human beings. And that human element uh, is core and foundational uh, to just about everything we do. Um, You you know, if you want somebody uh, to engage with you, you have to treat them with uh, an element of respect. You have to treat them with an element of uh, an equal. You have to treat them with um, 
as a human being that you value, that you respect, that you trust, that um, you, you know, um, uh, that you're bringing in uh, to to yourself, uh, and um, uh, and and engage with them in that way. Um, and when you do that effectively, magic happens. You know, um, and um, and that has been even more true over the course of the last 18 months or 24 months with the pandemic. Um, it, that has not changed. That core foundation, that that basic element of uh, the human being first, the person being first, uh, is incredibly true, and 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 something that you know we've we've become much more cognizant of, we've become much more aware of, um, and um, and frankly have gone back to that you know core principle, those first principles, uh, whether it was for ourselves and our families uh, and how we interacted when we're all in the in the uh, one space, uh, pretty much twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year, uh, or you know our own teammates that we. Engage with uh, via Zoom or on the phone or in whatever virtual setting that we're in, and our customers and prospects. You know uh, that core tenant has not changed. In fact, it's been magnified, it's been amplified, uh, and I feel like as a as a company and as as uh, individuals, we've done a phenomenal job of going back to those first principles, putting that in the forefront, uh, and uh, have come out of it much stronger. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I really love that you've pointed that out. It actually reminds me of something that shouldn't have been shocking to me, but probably was when I was looking at our own data around like, what are all these new consumer trends and how's everything different? You're like, oh, so we care about family. Yes. Um, where, you know, the consumer is focusing back on what matters, like purpose is suddenly so important. And it seems yeah. like when you take a moment to take a breath, you sort of recenter. Um, and of course, the question will be, you know, how much of this persists as we start to kind of get back to normal and, and get back to the rush of it? Um, along those lines, you know, what do you see as, uh, a management principle that, or a, perhaps a leadership skill that you've had to develop a little more, you know, in the last 18 months because of how people were situated a little differently or the world was functioning a little differently? Um, Tanya, phenomenal question. You know, uh, I'm already loving this uh, discussion. Um, empathy is the word that I would go back to. Um, you know, we are all busy. We're all running around. Um, I always have a list longer uh, of things I need to get done than I have time in the day to do. Um, and, and you tend to sometimes dive straight into it. Um, and you don't take that moment to really step back for a minute and be empathetic. Um, and for me, that was really a, 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 a skill I had to go back to. I had to re-engage with. I had to redevelop uh, for you know for myself. And that was empathy with with you know my 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 core my my immediate family. You know my wife and my two kids, my extended family, um, with our friends, um, with with my teammates, uh, with my colleagues, and even with my customers. Um, you know, simple things like. Overnight, we were working from home. Uh, the world had changed around us. And, uh, you know, our, uh, my, my teammates had their families at home with them. They had to figure out, you know, how to put uh, lunch on the table, uh, how to, you know, make sure that their young kids were uh, doing okay on Zoom classes, um, uh, it, you know, uh, have boundaries around dinner time or taking kids out for a walk or taking their dog out, you know, uh, into the backyard of, or for a walk. And 
back-to-back meetings that were 60 minutes long or 30 minutes long or whatever time interval they are without an opportunity to have a break in the middle, you know, is untenable in in a situation like that. And so I cannot tell you how many sessions I had up front with, with my broader team saying simple things like, hey, if you can't come to a meeting, that's totally fine. Just let folks know. Um, you know, let's take meetings down to 50 minutes so we can give folks 10 minutes to go check in your kids, get some food on the table or whatever it might be, you know, um, center yourself, step outside for two minutes, you know, um, wh- whatever it might be. Um, but that's an example of, of, of something that, you know, was brought to my attention early uh, and really reminded me that we are in a different construct. Um, we're in a different environment, um, and we have to operate with a sense of of empathy as we move forward. Um, and that, by the way, is true for everybody, including ourselves. You know, I had to be empathetic with myself as well. I was not going to be perfect coming, you know, through this process, and we were going to make mistakes. I was going to make mistakes, and I had to be kind to myself and gentle to myself as well, and allow myself to do that. Well, and that that makes me think of something that I've I've spent a lot of time on around just this concept of like managing your state, right? Because you sort of go, there are certain days where if you haven't managed your state, if you haven't done the things that you know you need to do in order to be high functioning, things will get to you more, you'll react in a certain way. And it's it's on all of us to manage our own states, of course. Yes. Um, but particularly as leaders and particularly in the last year to, you know, to call it 18 months, I, th- I feel like more of that onus has shifted to leaders to make sure that their teams are also managing their own states because you mm-hmm. used to have an inbuilt, like you had a commute where you could take a step back or you had some separation and now it's all so commingled. Um, I think what you're talking about is empathy touches on that, um, mm-hmm. but any tips or any things that have helped you or that have helped your team stay centered, mm-hmm. um, you know, in particular that you think might be might be of use to our listeners? Um, you know, we, we had lots of little, little things that we put in place. Um, we're spread all over the world. I have teams all over the place and I don't believe in being an absentee uh, leader. Um, I like to be, you know, visiting our teams, visiting our customers, visiting our partners, spending time with folks, you know, face to face, breaking bread with people. Um, you know, the conversations that happen when you go to get a cup of coffee, uh, it, uh, there's, there's magic in those conversations. There's uh, tremendous value in those conversations. And, and so we had to find ways to actually recreate some of that. And, and one example of something that we did um, was, uh, and, and, you know, <clears throat> Everybody did stuff like this, right? You went to virtual cocktails and you went to virtual coffee hours and you went to, you know, whatever it it, it might be. But what worked really well for us was just to set up small sessions with no agenda. Um, We're going to come together. We're going to have a 45-minute conversation and we're not going to come to it with a predetermined agenda of what we're going to have a conversation around. We're going to treat this as though we were really at the coffee coffee bar. Uh, and we're going to have an informal discussion and dialogue uh, w- with each other um, and check it, you know, how you do it, how your families, how's your, how your kids, how your parents, how your friends, um, you, you know, what's, what's challenging for you right now? What books are you reading? You know, what Netflix shows are you binging on? Um, you know, have you picked up a new recipe that was interesting for you? Um, so that was one that we did. Uh, you know, the other thing was we, we um, through our own internal uh, social networks, we set up a number of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sharing activities with fun little contests built into it. Um, 
uh, you know, uh, fun shows that you might have watched that you want to share with other people, a new recipe that you might have tried that you want to take pictures of and share with folks and put the recipe book out, uh, recipe out, which by the way, we actually just sent to every FICO employee a FICO cookbook. Uh, uh, that, uh, that came out of one of those where, you know, people from all over the world, uh, submitted, uh, uh, something new that they had discovered, a new recipe that they had tried, not an old favorite, uh, <laughs> and, uh, came out well, uh, and, and we actually packaged that up with those photographs and we just sent one to every FICO employee, um, Amazing. you know, just fun stuff like that. Yeah. It's the culmination of all of the COVID trends, right? Like this bread yes. loaf or these muffins. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Yes, and, and you can see that on uh, while we are on video here that the uh, you know the COVID fifteen is certainly uh, <laughs> doing on me well. <laughs> Listen, it it all sort of stops here. So I think that's in everyone's <laughs> everyone's favor these days. Um, so uh, you know, so I looked at your background, and you know, I don't know that I know what a traditional CMO's background is, but usually I don't see um, you know tech company CEO or a lot of entrepreneurship and other sorts of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to your current role at FICO um, and what sort of, I guess, drew you to the brand, to the company um, Mm -hmm. and what that whole experience was for you? Uh, Absolutely. You know, I've been incredibly fortunate in my career to have been able to do many different things. Um, I started actually at Hewlett Packard as an intern in finance, uh, which was phenomenal. Um, You know, I had a great teacher there, a guy called Glenn Pearson that I worked for. He was CFO for for the North America business. Um, And he taught me a tremendous amount in terms of, you know, how businesses function, how businesses run, how to read a P&L, how to read a balance sheet, how, uh, you know, asset allocation, capital allocation, uh, you know, PNL management. Um, it, it was fantastic. It was just a great experience. Um, my first formal full-time job at HP was in marketing. Uh, and, um, and it was a phenomenal foundation to really learn the core tenets of how to be a, a great marketeer. Um, and then I was lucky enough to start a, 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 with a number of other folks to be at the ground level of starting a, a, a HP's direct business and e-commerce business and grow that to a very successful business over a you know, multi-year period. Um, and then I left HP and I went to uh, startups um, and I did a number of startups uh, that I was actively involved in. And, uh, you know, some we had successful outcomes and others we didn't, um, but they were all wonderful learning opportunities. And, um, you know, through that uh, uh, exercise, um, I got to know the CEO of, of, uh, of FICO, uh, Will Lansing. Um, I actually sold him a company of ours uh, in 2010, uh, a startup that we had in 2010 when he was CEO of Blue Cora. Um, and uh, he's just a wonderful person. He's an incredible leader. He's very visionary. Uh, he, um, uh, you know, came to uh, to FICO and became CEO here when FICO was troubled, frankly, uh, in, in the early 2010s um, and has really led a remarkable story where over the course of, you know, the last decade, FICO has been one of the best performing stocks uh, um, on the New York Stock Exchange and certainly in Silicon Valley. Um, it's a wonderful success story. Um, and, and when I discovered, uh, you know, FICO through him, I came to realize that um, FICO is such an incredible uh, business and company uh, and has such a phenomenal uh, value proposition for the marketplace. You know, if you if you look at the FICO, and FICO is really made up of two businesses, the FICO score and, and FICO software, which is really analytic uh, uh, software. Um, you know, if you look at the FICO score, which is what most people know us for, especially in the Americas, um, 
And you look at simple things like, you know, um, what um, access to credit look like for uh, minorities, you know, pre-FICO score, post-FICO score, it's completely different. If you look at home ownership for, uh, you know, uh, for, for women, uh, pre-FICO, post-FICO score, it's completely different. Um, if you look at car ownership for, you know, um, uh, uh, for uh, African-Americans, you know, pre-FICO score, post-FICO score, it's very different, right? And I'm not saying that's the only driver here, but FICO, the FICO score really took um, bias out of the equation. You know, it, it, it took out a way um, somebody walking into a, a branch or walking into a financial institution and being judged by, you know, their, uh, their uh, uh, diversity, their ethnicity, you know, their gender. Um, and it really made it uh, based off of uh, math, based off of science, based off of, um, you, you know, uh, truths, um, and took out that, that, um, that bias out of the equation. Um, and that's just what an incredible platform, you know, to be able to market off of. What an incredible value proposition to be able to amplify and magnify, you know, in the, in the marketplace. And, and it's really been my privilege uh, to be able to do that and to, uh, you know, take that value proposition that, that FICO has at, at its core, as its core tenant, uh, and, and, and really help that uh, propagate itself uh, both from a, you know, in the core U.S. market, which is the roots of FICO, but in 85 countries that we do business in today between our scores and our software business. Um, and our software business is really around, uh, you know, uh, infusing intelligence into enterprises um, and helping enterprises uh, becoming intelligent enterprises. Um, and, and, and that fits perfectly in this sort of digital revolution that we're living in today. You know, the digital transformation that almost every entity uh, almost overnight had to go through 18 months ago or 24 months ago when the pandemic started. Um, and, and um, you know, we, we just are perfectly placed and positioned to be able to allow enterprises uh, to, to successfully transform themselves using digital technologies, using the data that they have, you know, applying analytics to that data, gaining insights off of that, converting those insights into decisions, and then putting those decisions into action to drive meaningful and consequential outcomes at scale. Um, we are better than anybody else in the world to do that. And the world today needs it more so than it's ever needed. It. And, um, and it's really my privilege to be able to, to be here to, to help drive that forward forward uh, and uh, to help all the companies and partners that we work with uh, to uh, transform themselves uh, so that they can thrive in, you know, this new normal. As you think about telling that story, and it's an incredible story and, you know, one that pe perhaps, you know, isn't obvious to, to everyone on the surface, can you talk a little bit about the role of digital, I mean, you're referencing digital transformation and in particular social media channels when mm -hmm. it comes to conveying that purpose um, for your customers but also for your team and for people who, um, you know, are using uh, digital channels as a way to get to know the companies that they, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps hope to work for or, or otherwise hope to engage with? Um, you know, marketing is about storytelling. Uh, and digital channels, especially social channels, as you mentioned, and we talked about this earlier as well, right, is just a wonderful way to do human-based storytelling. Um, and, you know, if, at the end of the day, if you look at digital transformation, there's many reasons why digital transformation is not successful. Um, but there are some core tenets as to why digital transformation is successful. Um, and, and that happens when you're able to infuse domain expertise with the right technology um, uh, that you're putting in place. Um, and then executing on that uh, in manageable chunks, 
right? Um, but being able to infuse those things and bring those things together. Um, and, um, it, it, and this has been even more so true over the course of the last 18 or 24 months because we've been in this virtual environment and this has happened to us overnight. That best practice sharing, that domain expertise sharing has been even more important. And actually, we've done a lot of that over the course of the last 18 to 24 months where we brought smaller groups together, um, speaking to many more audience types and personas than we've ever done in the past. You know, we used to, for example, sell into, you know, the technology side of the house or into the chief risk officer side of the house. But we didn't necessarily speak to digital trans uh, 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 trans transformation officers or to, um, you know, the, the finance community or to the marketing community. Um, but we, we really focused on that over the course of the last 18 months, bringing these persona groups together from across the globe in many ways, but in small, manageable ways in which they could really do ideation together. They could do best practice sharing together. They could really uh, you know, help each other with what are they seeing that's working, that's not working. Um, and digital, social gives us the opportunity to take those kind of stories, that human element of it, and to propagate that uh, and to, to, to amplify that unlike you know, almost any other medium. Um, and so we've been reliant on it, uh, relying on it and using it uh, actively um, in, in that storytelling uh, process and in that propagation of, of message process and has worked really well for us. And how do you, how do you keep tabs on what's working and what's not, right? Because you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to overmeasure, you don't want to sort of get too crazy, particularly when things are more experimental, but how do you sort of keep that loop of empowerment, but also accountability that I guess you spoke about a little earlier? Yeah, um, it, you know, I, I love what you just said. Uh, you use the word experiment, right? Um, and experiment, Experiment, experimentation, experimenting is so important. Um, just earlier this week, I was having a conversation with my team really about, you know, pushing ourselves to be uncomfortable um, and pushing ourselves to uh, try new and different things and not being afraid to fail. Um, but then I added to it that we need to be thinking about controlled failure, right? Uh, and not letting chain reactions occur. So when we're putting those the, an experiment in place, which we should and we must, and we need to do more of it, not less of it, let's really think about you know how would we control if it if it doesn't work out, if there is an unintended consequence from that, what is that going to look like? Let's go into it with a little bit of thought around it, and let's make sure that we've got some you know breakers in place that allow us to hit the eject button quickly if we need to, um, but also you know to learn from it, right? I mean. Fail fast. That's one of the things that when I was an, an entrepreneur and you know, all those startups that I did, one of the things that we firmly believed in was fail fast, learn from it, move to the next one, try it again, right? Uh, or try the next thing, but based on the learnings that you've gotten from, from failure. Um, and so I, I love that tenet, right? I think it's incredibly important. Um, it's underutilized. Um, it's something that we really have to consciously force ourselves to do more of. Uh, and, and everybody can do more of it. I love that. I love the idea of controlled failure. It's like knowing exactly where you'll amputate if it looks like yes. it. <laughs> yes. Circuit breakers are not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it always, I, I think there's always that um, very romantic idea, you know, just to reflect on entrepreneurship where it's like, bet the farm, put everything mm -hmm. on a credit card. And yes. you're like, no, it's, I think it's okay to, to mitigate your risk and to not have it so that you're homeless if certain things go a certain way. <laughs> um, That's so right. as you 
as you look ahead to 2022 and beyond, and, you know, let's call it the next couple of years, um, what are you most excited about as a marketer and as a leader? Yeah, um, I'm most excited about actually getting back out and meeting people face to face. We reopened our office in Brazil last week in Sao Paulo, and um, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go down and to spend time with, with the team. Um, and it is so energizing. You know, it is just absolutely fantastic to be back out with, with people um, face-to-face, you know, celebrating being back together again, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, ideating, uh, brainstorming in person, um, you know, really planning um, and strategizing in, in person. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I've got a few more trips uh, planned out uh, over the course of the next, uh, you know, quarter or, or, or so. Um, we've also started to think about um, bringing in-person um, uh, customer events back uh, and what that's going to look like, um, you know, early part of next year with the knowledge and knowing that, uh, you know, um, we have to be flexible because we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, when this thing started, we were like, well, you know, in six months, we'll be back to doing events. And, you know, here we are 18 months later or 20 months later, and we haven't really done any, uh, you know, in, in person per se. And so um, I, I am looking forward to, you know, getting that, uh, that uh, back in place. Um, at the same time, we learned a lot over the course of the last 18 or 24 months, and we don't want to lose that. You know, um, how do we help balance um, um, with uh, virtual uh, and and uh, the face-to-face? You know, how do we bring these two things together and not lose the best of, of both? Um, how do we give people the flexibility to participate in the, the way that makes best sense for them? Um, you know, how do we not force people to all be in the office, for example, all the time? You know, um, let's give people the opportunity of the flexibility to decide what works best for them, uh, you know, based on the individual, based on the role, based on, you know, the, the team. Um, let them really have the ability to decide what works best for them. Let's not let's not force a one size fits on uh, fits all, uh, you know, on, on folks. Um, and from a marketing perspective, you know, we've learned a lot about how to use digital channels and use them really effectively, um, both for, um, you know, um, uh, a, a, a wide um, um, distribution, as well as for uh, key engagement um, uh, that is meaningful and authentic um, in smaller sessions. So let's not lose the lose that. You know, let's let's try to find a way to to you know use that um, at the right place in the right way at the right time uh, in the right uh, uh, you know uh, forum or mechanism uh, to be able to get the best out of both. So I'm uh, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be super exciting. I love that. Um, last one for you. If you could go back to the start of your career and offer yourself one piece of advice, what would that advice be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there's so much, uh, frankly, uh, that I would tell myself in those early days. <laughs> You're um, like, I'd lock off a week and I'd turn my phone off. <laughs> yeah, you know... Um, I think I would tell myself, take more risks. Uh, don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Um, you know, have the confidence. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, um, it's okay. Something else will come along. And um, when I look back at my career, every time I took a risk, I had a blast. I learned a lot. Um, and, and I'm grateful for the outcome, no matter what that outcome was. Um, 
you know, I met wonderful people. I built a great set of, of, of friendships and, and network uh, out of it. And I'd say do more. I love that. Well, we're going to hold there. Thank you so much. It was so great to have this conversation, Nikhil. Same here. Thank you for the opportunity. It was so nice to talk to you, Tanya. Really, really appreciate it. And good luck with many more of these. They're fantastic. Keep, keep them coming. Thank you so much. Thank you.